0: And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to
1: Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. I'm Hunter Heineman. Uh, hey, strange face. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little bit. Hey, Ben, it's always good to see you. Sometimes I feel like I kind of have to run you down, but I don't mind. You've always got good stories to tell. I've, I've kind of been thinking maybe we need to change the name of this show. It's Hunter Heineman and his <laughs> outdoor adventures, you know. You guys have been all over this fall now into the winter, but I think last time I talked to you, you had been on a antelope hunt out west.
2: Yep, we, we did that and. Uh, into september i believe it was last week in there and had a good time successful hunt and me my dad and uh my buddy and his buddy all got one so that was a good time and and then uh shortly after we started in on duck season so uh, <laughs>
1: it's, it's still working on them i guess <laughs>
2: yeah well we're we're done now we just last weekend was the last uh weekend for all the properties that we have that we can
1: hunt oh uh, so. well you need to get something down in that south or southeastern zone they call it you know
2: our secondary property is right on the line (laughs) of the middle and the southern and we when we bought it we thought it was in the southern zone so that we would extend our season about a whole nother month well we missed it by about a couple miles
1: (laughs) Uh, maybe talk to the powers that be and get them to adjust the lines yeah. just a little bit. Yep. You know, they change those lines ever so often they take a look at that. Like every five years, I think, yep. but in general, how did the duck season go? Well, not hurt uh, good things for the most
2: part. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty slow for our property that was in the middle zone, which is like Southeast Missouri, kind of close to Zalma um, area <clears throat> advance down in there. Yep. Um, that was slow. <laughs> um, I just don't think there was a big enough uh, weather shift, you know, to, to move anything. In, yeah, of course, now that the season's over, <laughs> See, it's on its way. <laughs> but, uh, no, the uh, north zone <clears throat> that we have up in St. Peter's, um, that farm, we had a pretty good year. Um, killed about, I think, with that club around 200. Wow, that, um, yeah, that's a pretty good year. 200 to, two thirty, I think I wanna say. Yeah. Somewhere in there. That's a that's
1: a lot of good shooting. You guys got good dogs to to go with you or anybody Uh, hunt where you
2: got dogs? Yeah, uh Jeff Browning, one of our agents. Oh, absolutely. Jeff is a duck killer. Yeah, he he's got a dog. His name's Willie. He's a he's a hoot in the blind. He just sits there and hangs out. You can put a hat on him, really? blow a duck call, oh. He'll do about anything.
1: Cool dog. He must be a Labrador Retriever. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my dad just got two dogs, and uh, they're both black labs. <laughs> and they're we got one of them going pretty good now. Uh, he's a male. His name's Tater, but he he did really good opening week. Um, we I, we had a killer opening day. I think we killed just shy of like a four-man limit or something out of our blind. Wow. Uh, Killed a lot of teal. That's a good way to start. Yeah, a lot of teal. Uh, There was some ringnecks, um, gadwall, pintail. It was just kind of a mixed bag uh, early on in the season. And the whole first week was really good. I think we killed probably 90 or so out of the 200 that first week with everybody that we hunt with you know the friends that i invited and the other owners and their sons and (laughs) brothers and all that so uh it was a really good opening week and then we we um kind of just went quiet after that which is pretty normal but um yeah it happens but like i said there hasn't been
1: a major push of ducks come down uh, yet, but here, hey, we're looking at the, this upcoming weekend is coming up. That's uh, hey, we're talking some zero temperatures here. I can't imagine what's going to be up north, but yeah, everybody that's in that southern zone mm-hmm. is really looking for a big push of uh, ducks. And yep. I'm supposed to go back over to Real Foot Lake, uh, into the month for a uh, duck hunt. Really looking forward to it, and they're starting to kill numbers just now on yep. Real Foot. And we're going to be filming a episode of the legend outdoor tv show so i'm really looking forward to that mm-hmm. I hope i can show that gary Mason how to kill ducks yeah there
2: you go
1: <laughs> he's he's pretty good i I, yeah. I, can't, I can't poke too much fun at him but how did deer season go we haven't talked at all yeah i think since deer season
2: uh, i had a pretty successful year as far as the amount of deer taken <laughs> yeah. yeah um <clears throat> i shot uh i took advantage of the early dose season uh, mm-hmm. for rifle and shot a doe, got some meat in the freezer. And then, uh, <clears throat> I, um, didn't shoot anything till the second weekend of rifle season. And I shot, uh, <laughs> I, I got tired of waiting. So I shot a doe and then 20 minutes later, a buck come out, I just let her lay there and a buck came out and I shot, shot it too. Yep. Uh, so I had a, a good year and then, um, I had another, uh kid that was out at my farm and he shot a doe as well. So we had a, a good year. That was on my 60 acre farm, but I mean it's nothing to see in my twenty-five-acre field, twenty to twenty-five you oh know my, does oh my goodness so it didn't it hurt like you need, anything yeah yeah you felt <laughs> like you need to thin some does out well at least
1: they got the meat supply in for winter i did actually I probably hunted less this year than i ever have. and i had a, had a tough start actually that first early uh, season we had uh i hunted on a farm in texas county some old old friends of mine in uh we didn't see a deer. I was flabbergasted. They killed five the day after I left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it seems to always happen that and, way.
1: And I was kind of late about getting excited again, and I went out to the last alternative season, hunted on some public property, found two nice bucks, found an eight-pointer, and uh, I went back to hunt him with a muzzle loader and walked into the area where I was going to hunt and uh, uh, kicked up a 12-pointer out of some tall weeds. And he was down below me uh in a hollow and when he stood up i I could tell it was a pretty good sized deer uh, outside his ears on either side a couple inches it wasn't super tall but looked uh, just pretty heavy so i stood there with my mother loader because all i could see after he moved a few feet was just the tips of his antlers and i thought well he's got to come out one end or the other But what I didn't know, there was a fence line there, and he wound up jumping over the fence and was on another piece of property, and I had to stand there and watch him walk away. But I know where he lives, so I'll be be back hunting him early next fall. But uh, I scouted around there a little bit, got on a ridge across from us, and found, I guess, an old home site, lots of uh, sassafras trees there, and about 50 persimmon trees out in the middle of the woods. You know, So it's going to be a spot I'm going to hunt pretty heavy next fall and early.
2: Yeah, well, I bet that'll be good.
1: Oh, it will if nobody else finds it. <laughs>
2: yep, yep.
1: You, you know how that goes. But uh, it's been a tremendous season. The last count I had was over 310,000 deer taken, and I'm not, not sure that that included the very last season. And still some bow hunting uh, going on. But uh, you don't have a lot of controversy going on uh, about our Missouri Department of Conservation is continuing to kill some deer and some CWD hotspots and that's kind of a a sore issue with some people i don't really know what to think about it myself i don't think i really know enough about cwd to make a heavy judgment but i kind of lean on our uh, missouri department of conservation to make the right decisions they they've led us down a pretty good path over the decades
2: well that's what i was gonna kind of point on i don't really have one way or the other but what i have noticed is since i started hunting uh and coming down to so the Steelville, Cuba, Missouri area, uh, southern Crawford County is where I grew up hunting on my dad's farm, on a 500 acre piece. And I remember, you know, middle school, um, high school. I if I went out and hunted and I saw two deer, it was a good, good sit. And now I can go out. I've sat and seen 11 to 15 deer. And one morning and then gone out in the afternoon and seen five or six or seven or eight, you know? So that's awesome. I, day. I think that, uh, you know, in that time frame of uh, me, I'm 28 now to when I was 18, 10 years is, Ten, you know, a decade. is, is uh, pretty significant. And, you know, I can go to my dad's and see those numbers. I can go to my 60 acre farm and see those numbers. So I think, whatever they're doing to me seems to be making a difference
1: <laughs> that that's true But I think we have to take our hats off, too, to the landowners because, you know, 87% of uh, land in Missouri is privately owned. Mm -hmm. And that's where the biggest part of our deer are killed. That's where the biggest part of our turkey are killed. So in conjunction with Missouri Department of Conservation, the landowners have done some awfully good things as well. And I I think uh, deer management uh, has come a long ways in the last decade. Uh, More and more people are putting out food plots. You know, they're they're bringing uh, soil up to test and doing a lot of great things that are helping the wildlife populations but when it comes to cwd thing i i hate that there's such a controversy over it because there have been some states that have done absolutely nothing about cwd and they've watched uh, deer herds pretty much get decimated but there's millions and millions of dollars being spent every year by the states trying to take care of trying to corral the cwd problem and uh, i know a lot of northern states a lot of them spending around a half a million or so but some missouri is one of the top states they're spending over two and a half million a year combating cwd because it's the the cost and they test You know thousands of deer every year for cwd and the cost is close to a 100 bucks a deer to have those things tested so hey if you're going through the numbers you're going to add up a bill that's all there is to it yep but hey encourage you keep supporting the missouri department of conservation another other news from them our director sarah parker paulie is going to be retiring in july uh after 30 years in public service, she was uh, director of the Department of Natural Resources before she took over as director of the Conservation Department. And uh, Mrs. Pauly, I have to applaud her. Man, she's done some great things in her tenure there with the Conservation Department. You know, we got a bear and an elk season, uh, besides all of the other grand things that she's accomplished in her time. And, hey, I applaud her husband, too, uh, Mr. Scott Pauly. He's uh, uh, quite an outdoorsman himself. I may see him in the... Uh, this month or uh, maybe february go down to lily's landing tain and como for a conservation federation event every year we get to fish together a little bit and uh, and always find out a little bit what's going on what sarah's up to and what's going on but hey a wonderful career coming to an end i just wonder what she's going to do with herself now she's a turkey killing fool man (laughs) she knows (laughs) how Yeah, I'm afraid she'll get out there and kill them all now Yeah, she's (laughs) got all the
2: good spots
1: Absolutely But hey, here in the Ozarks, some great things going on, you know, I just went on a fabulous gigging trip recently, you know I'm in this little Baptist group They call it Merrimack Valley or Merrimack Baptist Association, they have a uh, kind of a lodge and campground out uh, south of steelville and we have a big men and boys event there every year it's a wild game dinner and that's coming up towards the end of the month i think it's uh, the 26th the doors open about 5:30, and man it's a grand event we had 310 men and boys there last year we give away a lot of good outdoor prizes so if you're needing you know some fishing gear that kind of stuff Uh, we give lots of it away. And I've got two trips to give away this year. Uh, one of them is with Billy Smith down on Current Rivers, Scenic Rivers Guide Service. And man, if you want to have fun on Current River, uh, hope you win this trip because he's, uh, he's the real deal. He was raised in that part of the world and knows Current River like the back of his hand. And Billy's one of those guys, he can take you up and down the river, you know, and he can tell you like the 1800s. My family lived in this yeah, hollow probably right. what their mule's name was That's you know <laughs> cool.
2: yeah what is he mainly targeting when he uh smallmouth. smallmouth yeah
1: but this time of year he's after a big walleye it's surprising the size of walleye they I've they catch. That. yeah 12 15 pounds wow. a lot of times and of course they catch the smaller ones as well but smallmouth is his real forte and boy can he ever ever catch them the other guy guide, uh guided trip is coming from Stainwater boat fishing brian wilson Made quite a name for himself from Jerome, Missouri. He's got a couple boats that run. He run one, I call it kind of the interior state, on Gasconade, Osage, some of the bigger rivers. And he got another boat down on Taney Como. He has another captain. Everybody thinks, bow fishing or gigging on Taney Como? Yeah, all those lakes down there are full of rough fish. And those guys ever had a good time, and they are deadly. They know what they're doing, uh, they got the latest and greatest equipment. And it's just a good time if you've never been on one of those gigging boats. I mean, they look like a party boat going down the river. Uh, the big platforms, the big lights, and uh, they do put the fish in the boat. That's another giveaway. So, but you got to be present to win. Mm-hmm. Got to be there for the draw. So, hope everybody, everybody comes out, man. But uh, great things going on in the outdoors, Hunter. We need to take just a short break here, but people don't go away. We got lots of good information coming up in the second half a living the dream outdoors podcast
3: hi i'm steve Stoltz with drury outdoors and you're listening to living the dream outdoors podcast with phil cooper
1: and hunter heineman slow down and enjoy the simple things in life welcome to who's valley resort providing family fun since 1979 They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal-clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal-clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's all. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip. Whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else, chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you're more to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi,
3: I'm Steve Stoltz. I am a Drury Outdoors team member, original cast member uh, for DeerCast, and one of my favorite loves, of course, are giant whitetails. So we're going to talk a little bit about what, what my game plan is to, to prepare myself to, uh, drop a full mature whitetail and of course try and get it on film, which is, uh, added, <laughs> difficulty <laughs> factor added plus two. But what to start with, I am, <clears throat> I, I still compete in turkey calling championships. So spring, uh, I go to shows, I, I, I travel, I compete. Uh, NWTF convention, different shows, uh, other shows uh, where I find myself a, a very poor shed hunter. And shed hunting is, of course, if you can get out and shed hunt, is, is the first step of, of really starting to scout and find out what deer are still there. Because if they're going to drop their sheds, they made it through the winter. But what I start myself, how I start my taking inventory, and that's so huge in the middle of summer to get if it's legal to get mineral licks out or if nothing else get cameras out where you can get uh mri on uh feed feed areas uh corners of cornfields where the trails go in and out where you see sign bean fields uh hay fields wherever the deer like to go feed and you set your trail camera up our cameras um in those areas where you're going to get multiple pictures of deer throughout, in particular, throughout the night, then the inventory process starts. Now, up here in Iowa, it's legal to do mineral licks, and that's my first thing I do. I'll put the analogic uh, mineral out, and I'll, I'll I'll usually put about a three-foot-by-three-foot, maybe foot-deep hole, dig it with a shovel, uh, pour about half a bag of the analogics at the bottom churn it up then put the dirt on top of it and churn it all up so they got to really work at it and that mineral lasts a long time because believe it or not even though i'm with jury outdoors we still got to buy it um uh, you know it, it, nothing's nothing's free and uh but that's the first step for my inventory process and i'll put multiple mineral licks out on my different farms um i will eventually switch to feed uh with a feed supplement of analogics Uh, that's a good way to get trail cam pictures but right now in the middle of summer I start with all mineral licks and then and then those bucks that are in velvet will start coming to them and it'll help their antler growth of course their health and I'll start getting an idea of what I have on my bucks
4: Hi, folks, it's Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation with a little habitat hint here. Uh, No surprise, uh, we are in the middle of a pretty severe drought across most of mid-Missouri. would encourage folks to take a look at diversifying their grazing systems. Uh, Right now, the department, NRCS, and other partners do have cost share available for the establishment of native warm season grasses for grazing and haying purposes. What a great program. What a wonderful way of diversifying your grazing system and actually having a drought tolerant, productive grass in the months of June, July and August. If you're looking for more information, I would encourage you to go to the Missouri Department of Conservation's website at mdc.mo.gov and in the upper right hand corner is contacts go to your county and find your private land conservations for your county uh, to set up a meeting to look at ways that you can improve your property not only for wildlife but also forage production for your cattle
1: Hey, everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Check out my buddy's podcast show, Living the Dream Outdoors with Bill Cooper and Hunter Heineman. You're really going to enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor" podcast. I'm Bill Cooper and Hunter Heineman here with me today. Always glad to have him back because he's always got some great hunting adventures to talk about. He's been whacking the ducks pretty good, I guess, but season's over here in the good old what is this the middle zone we're in yep, yep you still chase geese so for a while yeah I'm, i might partake in some of that <laughs> i even tried that i had a rough <clears throat> time of that I, I had a farm pond of honey for several years and it got so dry this year and just got covered over over by vegetation and the Canada geese just the local geese just really haven't used it this year, yep. so I, I kind of out of luck on that one too. But you know what? Here, real quick, all the ponds are going to freeze up, and all the geese are going to head to the open water, which be the larger lakes and the rivers. You ever you ever goose hunt on the rivers?
2: I have not. I haven't really gotten into goose hunting a whole lot, but I got lucky this year and shot one speck <laughs> down there. Well, uh, that's the best kind of shoot. That that's a yeah. ribeye in the sky. Yeah. Well, I uh, pretty much was past shooting them and got lucky but i'm gonna i'm gonna put him on the wall so but there's there is a there's a lot of those down there right now i don't know why but uh they're they're targeting something i don't know if they're more local or what but um there's a ton of those and then i think i was gonna try to canadian goose hunt here maybe mid-january or beginning of february oh still the,
1: a, they're all fun but uh, yep. those specs boy, the rib of the sky yep. they, they're the finest eating waterfowl that you can find of course i usually have the luck to kill the snow geese they call them sky carp
4: yeah they're,
1: <laughs> they're not as good no <laughs> near near as good but uh, hey you dock them up enough you know they they are Edible, you just have to work on them a bit. Hey, another great event's coming up here pretty soon in the Ozarks. is a ride for a reason to be over at uh, Bass River Resort out of Steelville, March 22nd and 23rd. And I don't know that's been going on about a decade, hasn't it, Hunter?
2: It keeps getting bigger and bigger every year, and it's uh, a very good um, charitable thing to be a part of, that's for sure. It, it's all donated i think to colon cancer research right yeah it, it, exactly and, and
1: there'll be i understand like two thousand atvs
2: and utvs there it this might year. even be like three i think last wow. year it was around three but it, it seems like it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year and they Those campgrounds, it seems like they keep kind of expanding a little bit. Oh, they they
1: do. They're doing a great job over there. I drove (laughs) through that part of the country here a month or two ago, and it's amazing how far they've spread out from their Yep. center there they got beautiful cabins and lodges scattered out through the hills and man you can get some of them out you know almost remote if yeah. you really want to get out in the countryside by yourself but this ride for a reason that is a great place just to go and check out ATVs and UTVs there'll be all kinds of Designs and models there, and all kinds of activities going on, too. I know last time I was over there, I got a big kick out of what's kind of a mud run, I, I yep. guess. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Yep, of course, you can get pretty nasty in a hurry,
2: too. <laughs> yep, and then I, I think they usually bring in some live music and you yeah, buy a bunch of t shirts, and there's usually some sort of giveaways and stuff, and all kinds of cool stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely, lots of food trucks, too. I always think that I have to sample all the different foods, you know. and. Uh, just a good, good time for a great cause and great people putting it on. You know, Bass River Resort been around for a long time. I, I'm old enough I can remember when all those places started. I first came to the Ozarks in uh, early '70s, about '73, mm-hmm. and all uh, those river bottom farms people that owned them were getting to dis- discover, you know, they could make more money floating boats than they could herding gals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some of them are still doing both, you know. Right. Yeah. But great, great businesses, good, good people, and it's absolutely <clears throat> a great, great time. But those dates are again, March 22nd and 23rd, and I'm sure you can get a hold of Bass River Resort if you need some more info, if you want to get signed up. I don't know if it's too late or not because I know people, boy. Yeah,
2: uh, you got to – there's people that, like, Last year in March, probably just bought their ticket for this year.
1: Oh yeah, that that's kind of a common thing for people that are really into that, and and they want to make sure that they've got a spot. That's why you have to do it with uh, a lot of these river resorts anymore. You you got to book a year ahead of time to yep. get in there. That's just how popular <laughs> they are. Well. Good, good for them. But, uh, hey, things are going great guns in the outdoors. Here we are right after the first of the year. You know, a lot of your uh, places that are retailers uh, selling those great toys, UTVs, ATVs, boats, horse trailers, whatever it is you need for outdoor toys. Some, Some good buys going on right now. There's some good interest rates out there. But, you know, the land business is still going pretty
2: hardy, too. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm still staying, staying busy. Um, you know, it's, it's just funny to hear different people's take on it, um, about what, what things are doing, but really, I think at the end of the day, you know, to get your, your, that unique property you have sold is all about in the end, you know, you need to have some good marketing with it. Um, and then in addition to that, it all comes down to pretty much what that property has to offer, um, in comparison to what the seller's asking for it. And most of the time, if that package is there and the price is right, it's going to sell and it, it really doesn't matter. Um, it, it does come into effect what type of market we're in. Obviously that has a a effect to it, but no matter what type of market we're in um, people will in some sort of way, always be buying and selling um, oh, whether they want to or not. There's certain scenarios where they're forced into that situation, whether it's maybe a death, which mm-hmm. is terrible divorce or yep, terrible uh, <laughs> d- a debt. Uh, so there's always going to be people buying and selling in any type of market. But um, obviously, uh, one, like an 08 market is going to be <laughs> a lot different than what we're in today. But, you know, some people are like, Oh, you know, I want to hold off. It's January. We just got after this year, people towards the end of the year that have maybe the thought of selling in mind. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people right now. A lot of people want to hold off right now until like March or April. Well, I'm a little different (laughs) on that, but uh, we are still selling a ton of ground right now. Um, And even through, you know, late October, all the way through Thanksgiving, I probably put three deals under contract right before Christmas. So one thing you need to keep in mind if you're thinking about selling is that around these holidays, a lot of people have a lot of time off Mm -hmm. and that's a good time for them to go view your listing Uh, so
1: i think it would be exciting too you know around the holidays you're in a festive mood anyway merry christmas (laughs) yeah that might be time to up the price a little bit (laughs) yeah
2: yeah so uh i mean really with land it's not as cyclical as i guess it would be maybe with residential where the spring time is the big boom and then summer obviously people are buying probably all year but uh, it seems like their big time is right there spring summer and then our market is just pretty consistent all the way through. Uh, I would have to lean that springtime does seem like the time where all of a sudden my phone just starts blowing up and people (laughs) want me to come visit and give them an idea what their place is worth. But um, the way that I I see it is that if you're a seller and you have the thought of, I'm going to wait till spring because everything is going to look green and pretty. Well, Mm -hmm. there's people that are looking right now and they're going to search and look and buy what's on the market today, not what's on the market in three months from now. And so if you wait and go with that thought in mind, you know, a three month difference in the market isn't going to make that much a difference in your price or what you're going to be able to get to it, unless you do some sort of major renovation or mm-hmm. cleanup or something like that. If you're doing something like that, it makes sense. But <clears throat> if you're just going to wait three months, because, it's green as opposed to not green or cold <laughs> as opposed to warm. Um, you may be missing out on a very big group of buyers that are starting their search right now. And it, they may be looking right now and they may not find something and close until April, but then you've missed a big wave of buyers. So <clears throat> I think, you know, right after the first of the year is a great time to list a property a lot of people come up with New Year's resolutions. They get through the hunting season and they're like, oh man, I lost my lease. Or I uh I lost I, I got in a fight with my brother Bob and now I can't hunt his private ground. So <clears throat> that right after the first of the year is a pretty big time for us. Um and I am I'm seeing that in kind of my workload right now. I like I said, I probably put three places under contract in December and a couple close right before december so i probably got eight eight or nine places under contract like that that happened all right at the end of the year wow
1: well a point you hit on you know properties people are buying and selling all the time i read a stat i know it's been several years ago and it's probably way outdated but supposedly the average american will move five times in their lifetime Mm -hmm. that's a lot of buying selling going on just with one party and <clears throat> right. if that's a national average uh, it tells us and we know you know as you mentioned circumstances change all the time in a person's life you helped me sell my property last year you know and it was yep. just a matter of wanting to downsize man i had a big old home and a few acres with it and just more than i wanted to take care of anymore yeah.
2: a lot of times you know again too like another thing is people retire and they move states uh um, yeah a lot of that goes um on. <clears throat> so there's a ton of things that that could lead to that, and and you just don't know when the right person is going to come along at the right time. So, if you don't have it out there, you're going to miss out on that. Uh, so you just you just never know. And I, I think it's best to keep it out on the market, um, and then just react to what the market's telling you. If they're saying you know uh, this needs to be fixed, or I'd buy it if it was um, you know priced this way, or you know, you don't have to all the way listen to yeah. the public, but you can acknowledge it and maybe be to where sure. you're positioned around that and, and you'd be surprised if you React to that? How quick sometimes you can make a sale. Yeah, just lot, lot
1: lots of variables involved. But I, I know. Of course, selling a place. I've been at my place for 42 years, and for a lot of people, it's really an emotional thing to think about getting rid of their properties. But uh, I knew time was coming that I, I needed to, I needed to make a change. You know, and it wasn't difficult for me at all once I made the decision. And working with you guys, you made it so easy you know all of the advice is there do this do that or don't do that or or whatever and uh, that's one thing i would encourage people to do. <clears throat> listen to your agent manage yeah you've got well-trained people agents all over the midwest and uh, expanding into other regions you guys have been extremely successful and success doesn't come by making huge mistakes and boondoggles you know that mess up people's lives right and uh, Of course, I watch you guys every day on social media, and I'm always seeing these just gorgeous properties coming up for sale. And and the first thing that goes through my mind is, why is that person selling that place? Well, we talked about all kinds of reasons why people sell. And some people just turn properties, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of that goes on. Been Lots of millionaires made in this country by turning real estate, you know. But, uh, hey, great, great times it feels so good when you get a property sold and you make another move and you know this change we had in our lives bought a much smaller home which makes a lot more sense for the stage in life we're in and i think it's important for people to consider too if you're looking at your personal finances you know uh things are not quite as rosy when you're retired as you were when you're working and you yep. can, you can work lots of overtime and get more money to come in and all that sort of thing so making things work for you and you need to lay that stuff out for your agent too, so that he knows what he's dealing yes. with.
2: Let him know. Let him know what your goals are and what your realistic expectation is on how soon you would like it to sell and be able to move. Because, like me as an agent, that's that's going to determine how I price it. If you, if you tell me I'm I'm fine staying here for a year, well, we might start a little higher. But <clears throat> what I've been doing with a lot of my clients is, um you know, the market is slower than it was two, three years ago. So we're, we're looking at what the most recent prices are selling, not listed for, but selling Mm -hmm. in the past six months. And then I even price that seller's property. And then I might even take 5% off of that number because we're in a slowing market. And that usually lands me pretty close to what the, reality number is going to be maybe even after negotiation, etc. Another thing if you know, the average is 2,500 per acre in an area. Well, you know, certain farms might be selling for 27 or 800, maybe even 3,000. There might be a couple outliers that sell at that. But I would say is, this, you know, if you're going to be a seller, don't get stuck on those one or two that, that sold for that. There is probably some reason they did that. And a lot of times it's like a water feature or they may have had a ton of food plots or maybe they kicked in, left Mm -hmm. like 15 deer stands or uh, there's a body of water or a lake or something that made that stand out that way for a reason. And if yours doesn't have that, it's sort of unrealistic to try to get that number. And if you want it to sell quickly and fast and probably for what it's worth, you know, in Mm -hmm. in a good amount of money or maybe even more what I've been doing is talking to these people and say, here's the average, it's 2,500 an acre. Everybody's listing at 2,700 an acre to leave them some room for negotiation, whatever, and to maybe land at 25. Sometimes you're better off listing that at 2,350 or 2,400 an acre because you're the lowest priced one on the market. Everybody's, their eyes are all going to be pointing at your listing. Right. And then what happens is that's when you can get That's how you take advantage of a market that we're in right now because everybody's going to be looking at you. You're going to get the most traffic. Hopefully you would end up with more than one offer. Sometimes Mm -hmm. even in this market, it's becoming more rare to see that, but if you price it right and and good to sell. Sometimes that can lead with you ending up over what you even wanted for it in the first place. (laughs) Uh, And you started lower, but it, it's going to drive more traffic to I, it doing it that it, way.
1: Exactly. And there's so many things to think about, but I, I can tell you it's wonderful to close out and have a good feeling about what, what's happened. And the, the only thing I thought about uh, my situation in the selling and the moving and, and all that good stuff, I've scratched my head, why didn't I do this two years ago? <laughs> right, yeah. The,
2: the other thing with, with this year that could be a potential challenge is it's an election year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and historically, yeah, that always <laughs> gets
1: things in kind of no. people,
2: people just think, you know, I'm going to wait and see who gets elected. You know, regardless of who gets elected, they just want to wait and see and then see how that affects the market. But again, who knows how that's going to affect rates or anything else. Exactly. And, and, but
1: you've still got buyers out there. They're wanting to settle in on something and they're not too concerned about who's getting right. elected in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And particular, per- particular people got money in their pocket and they're they're ready to do
2: something. Yeah, and rates are slowly heading down, but not super fast, you know, or <laughs> anything like that. But uh, I think we're in a really good spot. I think we're in a spot that we were pretty much in right before COVID, pre-COVID. We're in a very similar market to that, and uh, I think it's going to be another good year. But I think you know, if you're a seller, waiting till spring could get you closer to that election year where there's going to be doubt in people's head. Right. Um, again, it's just a part of an election year. So I think taking advantage early this year is gonna benefit a lot of well, people. Well, everybody's gonna be in
1: a good mood with spring coming. So get yep. them get them listed. Well, yep. Hunter, if somebody wants to talk to
2: you, how they get hold of you. Uh you can go ahead and give me a call at six three six three seven three one five zero nine. You can call or text that uh, anytime. And then uh, if I don't answer, just leave me a voicemail. I'm pretty good at getting back to those. And then my email is uh, my first name, Hunter, the letter H09 at yahoo.com. Hey, folks, give him a call. I can tell you, Hunter will take care of you. He did me a great job.
1: That's for sure. Well, folks, Hunter Heineman myself, Bill Cooper, we're living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get out there and live your outdoor dreams as well. We'll see you next time. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri, and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanecomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at five seven three. 263 8016 again that's 573 263 8016 be sure and shoot straight
2: The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, smokerbuilder.com, cowtown, USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy Stained Water Bow Fishing. Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours. Huzzah Valley Resort. Pico Lures. Devil's Backbone Outfitters. The Fallen Outdoors. Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company. Turnbow Outdoors. j j Charters. Kaufman Cove, Alaska. Big Ed's Guide Service. Bean Creek Game Calls. Misty Mountain Guide Service. ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker. On the Hook TV and Rich's Famous Burgers.
0: Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.